Welcome to Fixation Station, the podcast where we talk about our fixations, hyper or otherwise. Today on the podcast, we have the very funny Blaze Mancias from New York City. How are you doing? I am great, Ariel. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm good. It's Monday. I'm in New York City. I wish, honestly, I wish I was in Amsterdam right now because I love Amsterdam. It's a lovely town. As somebody who is in Amsterdam, that is why he said that. I kind of wish I was in New York City sometimes. So uh, mm. grass is always greener. Um, I hear it is greener in Amsterdam, the grass. <laughs> I feel like the weed in America might be better. There's certainly a lot more options. I really want like a very low THC gummy for a, a family member. And that's like not like a thing here. Mm, I see. It's either get high or don't get high. Right. Mm -hmm. If anybody wants to start that business in Amsterdam, I would be a customer. There's a niche demand in Amsterdam for people that just want to get a little high, just a little bit. I want to get my mom just a little bit high is really what it comes down to. I don't know how she'd feel about me saying that she is not necessarily on board which is why I want something low dose. Anyway, but you want to talk today about transit. That's been sort of my fixation for ever since I was like a little kid. I was one of those kids that liked trains. I liked Thomas the Tank Engine. I liked, I would go to train shows with my dad. And I even had like a train, like I think multiple train sets, but some that were more sort of like, not toy train sets, but reproduction of actual trains that like old men collect that kids don't play with because they're fragile. I was, I've always been really into trains. And as I've gotten older, it's sort of like manifested into just like enjoying different forms of public transit and occasionally building transit simulation games. So I'm, I'm pretty into transit. Yeah. I mean, that is a classic one. Trains as hyperfixate. I don't know this creator's name, but are you familiar with the train spotting TikToker? No. Okay. It's very hard to describe. It's very wholesome. It's a young man, very into trains. But uh, his like go-to move is that like when a train comes, he gets very excited and he like runs after it. And then he has like a GoPro at like a very weird angle of his face. And it is very, very wholesome and very, very popular. And I will uh, insert his name here. Francis Bourgeoisie. Great. He has so many more followers than me, though, so I don't. So will he like see a train and be like, oh, that's like a GE HB710. It's got 300 horsepower. Like, does that sort of thing he does? Like, we're going to see this kind of engine coming in. Uh, And he's cool. He does it full time now. So occasionally they'll like let him drive trains. Oh, cool. Yeah. That sounds fun. (laughs) I would love to drive a train. And uh, what is this? game you mentioned i think sort of like one of the original ones was sim city i think many of us have heard of it but if you haven't it's a game where you're given a big plot of land and you build a city as big as small as chaotic as sensical as peaceful as you want and i've been playing that in some form since like first or second grade and that sim city company gradually came with you know they, it was a very two-dimensional game and they came out with new games for very many years uh, and then they stopped sometime when I was like in college. And then during this pandemic, 
there's another company that started making their own city games called City Skylines. And because I've had a lot of free time during this pandemic, I spent a lot of time playing this game. And this is the kind of game that's like, there are versions of it that are like objective based. And then there's like the way that I like playing, which is like, you just build this living organism that is a city and you can maintain it and tinker with it for as long as you please. You know, it's, it never ends unless you destroy the city or you walk away from it. Um, and that's like the thing where I feel like I get really obsessed building these cities because the, the land is huge and the amount of attention to detail you can put into these cities is great. It's like a chain reaction of things. You know, you, you put a shopping mall here, but then now you have an influx of traffic going to that area. So how do you solve that problem? Do you build like public transit options? Do you put more roads? Or oh, maybe I'll just bulldoze this neighborhood and bring the people closer to the mall. So like everything that you do in the game is like a chain reaction. So like you can play for hours and it's very easy for me to like turn on the game and then two hours just disappear. <laughs> but it's a bit like building a virtual train set is the best way to describe it. Because when you build the train set, you know, there's like the houses and the land and the train and all that. But this is like a virtual form of that. And it's a little bit like playing God. It sounds like it. Listeners of the podcast will know that I'm very into Stardew Valley, which is a farm sim. It's different, but it is also... Oh. I, I know the the feeling of like getting sucked into like creating this world. And it is it is yeah. it is so fascinating how little decisions that were made a hundred years ago like deeply, deeply impact how we live our lives today. The fact, for example, that like America decided to like go all in on the car mm-hmm. deeply affects everybody's like mental health. Of like Absolutely. 300 million people today. Do you know about uh, the history of jaywalking? No, tell me about it. Okay. So before the car, people played in the street. Children played in the street. People like walked in the middle of the street. And then like if a cart or something was coming, you could like get out in time for the cart to just go by, right? Like, cause it's not going as fast as a car. And then when cars were first introduced, people still were like playing in the street and stuff. And But like the car would go fast and people died. And it was like a very up in the air question. Who was going to budge? Like a lot of people were very anti-car. They were like, if you're in a city and you're on the car, you should have to go slower or like get out and push it. And the automobile industry really went heavy on basically victim blaming the people that cars were killing as being like stupid because a J like the J and J walking it used to be a slur for like like a country bumpkin oh like a hillbilly like a red redneck I, I don't think it's like a synonym for either of those things but in that area and it was like people really didn't want to be called J's like it was really insulting and so like the, the car industry like invented the concept of jaywalking and was like, if you're on the street, you're the idiot and you like deserve to die by car. Got and I'm it. sure there's also plenty of money like given to the government too. I don't think it was just yeah. a relations campaign, but I do think that's how they, when the, the hearts and minds, and as a result, like a lot of America is like, I would argue not all that livable. I mean, people live there, so I guess livable is <laughs> subjective. 
but like when I'm in America, like outside of like New York City, it is sort of amazing, like how difficult it is to get around without a car. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm from California, so I got my license when I was 16. And that was like my goal in life. You know what I mean? Like it's California. Every 16 year old gets a car. It, it may be shitty, but you're gonna get a car. Um, and I, I just remember like times like going to a friend's party at their house and people were parked in the driveway. People were parked outside on the curb and thinking, man, I gotta park like a block away. <laughs> and thinking that was like insane. Like insane, even in college, because I went to college in Honolulu, which is also a very car centric place. And it's like the thought of parking a block away was like ridiculous to me. And now as a New Yorker who loves to walk and loves to take public transit and no longer owns a car, it's like hilarious to me. Just walking anywhere in California was just like crazy. And it's hostile to walk many places because it's, you're like walking along a busy thoroughfare. It's like, that's not pleasant. Like it makes you agitated and nervous and there's pollution. So like a lot of yeah. times there aren't even, I don't know about California, but like in a lot of like suburbia, there just like aren't sidewalks. Yes. Yeah. And that you see that like in wealthy neighborhoods, there aren't sidewalks and it's like to yeah. keep the, <laughs> keep the poor people out, which again, like I, I my fascination, fascination with transit goes beyond just like tinkering with little toys. Like, you know, I'm from California, which feels like a place that's not old. And then I moved to New York City, which is old, and I get to see like history and like how transit has changed. And I'm very much like an anti-car in the city person. You know, like I don't think we need to be as accommodating to cars in New York City. It needs to be a more person town. And I follow all these Twitter accounts that are very anti-car. And I like I I just I love it. I love driving. Don't get me wrong. I love driving. Like my grandfather on my mom's side was a race car driver and he was a mechanic on like like super fast cars. I love it. And I hope to own a car someday. However, if I live in New York City, there's just no fucking need for a car. There's just no need except to leave. Yeah, Cause I don't, I don't know how to drive. It's related to my ADHD. It's like very, very difficult for me. I've only ever taken lessons in the Netherlands and I bet I could actually like pass a driver's test uh, in America, but then I would like, <laughs> don't know how to drive. It was like right in my wheelhouse of like, it's something you have to be paying attention to at all times, which is difficult for me. And I mm -hmm. found it, I found it boring. Oh, great. No, I mean, I'm serious. Cause I d don't find it boring. So right. it's like, if, if you find it boring, then it's like, why do that activity? Because there are many options for you. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, it limits where I can live, I guess. I remember I had taken I had taken lessons during grad school. The theory was that it would be like a nice break from like working on my thesis. And instead, I would just like call my mom crying. Being like, oh, wow. this is difficult and boring. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like a couple of years later, I was like, maybe I should try again. Because in the Netherlands, I think in most of Europe, the default is to learn on, we call it like a standard here. Oh yeah, manual transmission. Manual transmission. Yeah. I was like, maybe I could learn, in the Netherlands at least, you can get like a, a special license only for automatic. Uh. I should try that because that's like one less thing I have to pay attention to. 
and I did one lesson with that and the guy was like how many like hours have you already done and I think I said 20 but it was actually 40 and uh he was like oh because like after 20 hours I'd expect you to know how to steer (laughs) oh man and I was like he's like we can do this I'll like take your money but like I can't promise you you'll ever pass your test and I was like you know what I'll just take the trip. It is, it is annoying, especially because like at that time, like I was speaking English, like in corporations, like all over the Netherlands. And occasionally I feel like this journey would be half as long if I had a car. Yeah. I can understand intellectually why it would be fun. Like I get it, like the. Yeah, no, uh, I, I learned to drive on a manual transmission, but from what I understand, it's like that no one does that in america anymore in fact they hardly make cars with a stick shift so like i, I feel like i was like from another era like my dad taught me how to drive a manual transmission i'm very grateful for it. both my parents know how to drive manual transmission but the amount of times that i've gotten into a car especially like in the last 10 years and i saw a stick shift is like i don't know zero yeah. and i know in europe it's like the complete opposite everyone still drives with stick shifts the ability to drive a manual transmission car seems like a skill that people in europe are willing to celebrate and to pass along and in america no one needs to know how to drive a manual transmission car or even how their car works no one cares about that in america they just need it to get you places i just always think it's funny like the european philosophy of driving i'm not sure if it's still this way but i was always under the impression you know especially from like germans that's like when you're driving you're driving you're only driving and i just remember as a kid getting into like a Porsche or a Mercedes or a BMW like prior to like the mid 90s and there wouldn't be cup holders in the car right. yeah. because Germans were like what are you doing eating a meal while you're driving you should have your hands in 10 and 2 and just keep on moving but in America we want to be eating we want to be drinking we want to be doing our makeup, doing our hair, listening to tunes. And I just think it's like, it's so funny, the difference. Like the, to me, I, and I, I love driving, but like, I want a fucking cup holder in my car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I, I really, when I was really struggling to learn how to drive, I would constantly bitch about needing to learn how to drive stick. And that she would be like, but you have more control if you drive stick. It is also, I think, it's more environment driving stick is better for the environment i believe is it i I think my understanding is that automatic transmission is more of a blunt tool and so Mm. you'll like shift gears when you don't necessarily have to Uh, and that That uses more gas that's my understanding and i do think there is also probably a There was going to be like a difference in uh, attitude towards that. Although, honestly, this is kind of a tangent, but I actually think Dutch people are less worried about climate change than Americans. I mean, like, obviously, like, someone very far on the left here would be more concerned about it than someone very far on the right in the States. But, like, someone on the very far left in the Netherlands I think cares less about climate change than in America. I think there's a lot of truth to your idea that uh, automatic is bad for climate change because it's just like you you mash the gas down and you mash the brake down and that's just not how you drive when you drive a stick, even if you're going right. fast, you know. 
Yeah, I understand the appeal because I was constantly asking people to explain it to me. Intellectually, like, I I get it, why it would be fun. You have power, you can go, like, anywhere you want to go. It's just you on the, like, open road. But, yeah, in practice, that's not my experience of it. But I really, part of the, one of the theses of this podcast is just that, like, everything is interesting if you care about it. Sure. Yeah, I find driving to be because I feel like I'm not good at multitasking. So mm-hmm. for for me, driving feels like a singular activity, even though it's kind of not you're doing multiple things as you're doing right. it, even if you're only driving, but it still feels like a singular activity to me, at least from how it works in my brain. So for me, I love being able to like focus on one thing for a long period of time. That's something that yeah. calms me. It relaxes me. It engages me. Whereas I feel like when I have to juggle, I'm not good at juggling. So that's one of the reasons why I love driving. I can see that it would be very meditative. Yes. Yeah. But you also enjoy public transit, right? I do. Yeah. I I do love public transit. And as somebody who my only form of public transit growing up was the bus. And that would only be like high school that I take the bus home. It was like the city bus. Very few people did that. I was in a small group of uncool kids that did that. Um, <laughs> and and living in New York is just like a dream because I love trains. I love things like that. And it's been so nice to be on this coast and to take subways everywhere, to take Metro North, to take Long Island Railroad, to take New York City Ferry is like a new thing that I was like a very early adopter of. I love, I take the ferry to one of my jobs here in the city. And then it's also just like an exciting part of traveling to other countries and other cities is like getting to see what they have. Because every, you know, every every place has their own thing. And sometimes like that's like the fun thing to try. Yeah, for sure. I also really enjoy going to grocery stores when I'm in a different Mm. country. I think it's like where you're like seeing how people really live i have a question for you is there like a section of the grocery store that when you go to another country like i gotta see what this section Uh, or is it just your general to see what they have in stock i think it's just general i think it will depend i think maybe maybe alcohol i don't know it's funny because i am also like i do really like going to the grocery store in different countries but except for i'm because i think when grocery stores get too big i find that incredibly overwhelming mm-hmm. which why i think it's so funny did you see that uh that walmart rendering with no Meta? no walmart put out this video of like what shopping would be like in virtual reality okay it would be like you virtually go to the grocery store basically <laughs> and i was just like this is like, this is all of the bad things about going to the grocery store and none of the good. Like, yes, like the, yes. Like, you're just, like, searching for the jalapenos. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, thanks yeah. for recreating the experience of walking around. <laughs> Another problem with, like, virtual reality that I, I don't think has occurred to all of the billionaires and millionaires that work in Facebook is that for it to work, you need to be able to have an open space that's sort of like dedicated, mm-hmm. right? So you can't like trip over your coffee table. Look, yeah. And I don't, I don't think it's occurred to them that a lot of people don't have like a VR a, room. A VR, yeah, like they don't have like a spare room in their house. 
With nothing in it. <laughs> with nothing in it. Yeah. But anyway, stop trying to make meta happen. It's basically Seriously. what it comes yeah. down to. And I mean, that is, in a way, that is transit too, right? It's trying to... I suppose so. You're transporting people. It doesn't it's feel like... A- it's not It's not mass transit, though. No, it's anti-transit, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> it's funny to me that the VR technology for, like, video games has been around for, like, 10 years and like it didn't catch on and now they're like you wouldn't use vr for video games but maybe you'd use it to like play poker with your boss or something yeah i don't know i don't don't know i hope like a weird scenario no The reason why I'm using that scenario because in Mark Zuckerberg's introduction to Meta, when he was like showing off all of the features that it could hypothetically have in the future, the scenario was he was like playing cards with like all of his employees. That's funny because it, it does uh, it does feel like a gamble every time I go to talk to my boss. So. <laughs> right, but it's also just like, wouldn't you want to be able to spend like your free time with your boss? Yeah. Exactly. I guess related to transit and billionaires, how do you feel about Elon Musk? Oh boy, I don't want to give him much airtime, but I I don't particularly care about his uh, space exploration. And I think he's a pretty, pretty terrible person and taking advantage of people and he's going to ruin this planet if it's not ruined already. Okay. That's how I feel about Elon Musk. (laughs) Good. Uh, Me too. I mean, not good, but, like, I agree. <laughs> to me, the reason why I think he's, like, related to transit is, like, I think we we have the solution to congestion. Like, it is better public transportation. And instead, he wants to build tunnels, for example, mm-hmm. so that more people could use their car. Yeah, for a guy that prides himself on innovation, it's, like, such a low-tech solution. It's, like, really <laughs> mind-boggling to me. It's just what we, you know, they were doing in the 70s. Let's just build an overpass here. Let's build more freeways. And it's like, that's not, that's what we've been doing for a while now. Yeah, The tunnel is not the answer to anything. I think it's also just in general, a lot of times these billionaires will come up with very convoluted solutions when like, for example, he has like this theory behind the Hyperloop and it's like high speed trains exist and we don't have them. just yeah invest in that i mean it's also it's funny because i do think he he wants to save the world i think on one level probably from a place of narcissism but i do think he genuinely wants to be kind of like the savior of mankind but it hasn't occurred to him that he could do that by just like giving people money yeah uh and that's very funny to me yeah i find it depressing (laughs) thanks thank you both maybe so do you have any favorite transit vacation stories oh yeah oh yeah going to paris and going to berlin my first thought was i can't wait to take maybe it's not my first thought but i was like i can't wait to take their metro at in berlin Mm -hmm. and in paris paris is very fun it feels more like new york you have a card that you need to get in to get out some of the subways are much more modern and some of them are a little bit more archaic but they, they tend to have uniformity in the stations. Berlin is sort of mind-blowing because the whole 
entry system is on the honor system. Like there's no cards or gates. You do mm-hmm. have to pay for your fare and then you keep a ticket on you. But the fact that like no one's checking your fare is crazy to me. And like in my <laughs> mind, I wish that could work in New York, but it won't work in New York. What I think they should do in New York is just make it free. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Because we already pay for it in taxes, just pay slightly more in taxes. As someone who grew up in Europe and came back to New York, there are certain things that people think of as obvious that they'll be like, how would, how could you possibly do it any other way? And it's like people all over the world do. And one example of that is the idea that cops would be traffic enforcement. Mm. So in the Netherlands, the way it works, you have one pass that's basically for everything. Mm. Trains and trams and buses. Most ferries are just free. And you put money on it or you can buy into different like plans so that things are slightly cheaper if you pay a certain amount of money each month or whatever. But like there are barriers to get on the train, to get on the subway. But there are also like occasionally people will come and check to see if you've paid on the train, right? And if you don't, you pay a fine. Yeah, I did witness that in Berlin. I was in Berlin, I think, for six days, and I mm-hmm. paid paid my fare, but I was sort of like, is anyone, is there people here that don't pay their fare? And I did witness, uh, I didn't. A, a gentleman who was in regular clothes just sort of like made an announcement on the train, and <laughs> everyone started reaching for their wallets and purses, <laughs> and I thought we were getting robbed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I thought the guy was like, "All right, this is a stick up. Give me your money." Like, because he seemed like kind of not happy. And I'm like, "Oh <laughs> shit, we're about to get robbed in Berlin." And then I saw each person hand him like a ticket. I'm like, "Okay, thank God." But there was like a teenage couple that clearly didn't pay their fare, and they had to step off without really much incident at the next station. So they do check. But yeah, that, that was wild to me. <laughs> I have occasionally in Germany, like uh, on the train system, like between cities, not like a subway system. Mm-hmm. I spent my summers in kind of rural Germany and occasionally the ticket machine, like you literally couldn't buy a ticket till you get on the train. And then if the conductor came, you could just buy a ticket oh. as well. But my point is that in a lot of countries, the idea that full-blown police officers would be, like, the enforcement mechanism over, say, like, a conductor is, like, unheard of. So whenever to people in New York who are like, but we need cops enforce the subway rules. Who else is going to do it? And it's like, conductors. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, those those two train, yeah. Berlin subway, Paris subway was pretty awesome. I feel like when you're in Europe, you got to take a funicular wherever you go. There's always like some okay. town with a funicular and you don't see those in America too often. No. I mean, there is one in New York City, right? There is. But to like uh, Roosevelt Island. Oh, I, I thought that was like home. a gondola. Okay. Maybe I don't know that. What's the difference between a gondola and a funicular? So from what I believe in my amateur transit knowledge, I believe a funicular okay. is a much like a gondola and then it goes between just two points back and mm-hmm. forth, usually up a hill and down a hill. And it is mm-hmm. often pulled by a cable, but a cable beneath the car or track okay. um, in which it's riding. Whereas a gondola, the cable is above the vehicle that's traveling 
hang and then the passenger car hangs below the cable. Okay. So that's the sort of difference. Like Roosevelt Island has the gondola, which hangs between Roosevelt Island and, and the east side of Manhattan. Yeah. Whereas like I've been on a funicular in Italy or in France in Lyon. And it's just like a little, it's just like a little tiny subway car that goes back and forth. <laughs> uh, and it's funny how those are kind of like all over Europe. <laughs> yeah. There are less of them in the Netherlands because there just aren't that many hills. Not very hilly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have been to Amsterdam and ridden the, the light rail there. It's very easy to use. Mm-hmm. And I have taken whatever is the bigger train to get you from the airport into Amsterdam and then the train from Amsterdam to the Hague. And I, mm-hmm. I think the thing that blows my mind when I go pretty much any transit system outside of America is the ease of figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Because I think when you come to New York, it's not easy to figure out. Like it's mm-hmm. really confusing. Stations all look different. Sometimes you have platforms moving in opposite directions or trains moving in opposite directions on one platform. Sometimes you have them separated. But viewfinding, the maps, all of it seems to be so much more thought out and easier for users in Europe. Like it's not just that the fact that they have transit, it's that they make it easier for you to use. Right. And I think uh, it's amazing that I can go to Amsterdam or go to Paris and I'm like, I've never been there and I can figure out the subway. Right. Have you been to London? I have not. Okay. You should go. One of the interesting things they did there that they should... So the metro map there is like iconic, right? Mm -hmm. And like easy to follow. But one thing they realized, because it was such an easy to use map, people were taking the subway when they didn't necessarily need to because they didn't know like what was walking distance or not because the map is not... To scale. To scale, right. So they've now, and by now I mean like I think 10, maybe 15 years. God, I'm old. They put these in-depth signs outside of like almost every tube stop. And it'll be like a circle of like, this is what's within like a five-minute walk. This is what's within like a 15-minute walk. So people who are trying to get to one place to another can like look at that before taking the subway. And that's very cool. That is really cool. So they would have like like a point of interest. So like if you took a the L to Bedford, they'd be like, "Oh, McCarran Park is eight minutes in this direction." Right. Yeah. It would it would have like a circle on the map with the radius is about a five minute walk, and then a oh, bigger circle. Oh, I see. And then yeah, like all of the landmarks in it. That's really cool. I think that's yeah. really smart and a great way to integrate transit into just the walking culture, right? Right. Yeah. And also occasionally I would just use it to be like, if I'm like waiting for a friend or something, I'd just be like, what are the tourists looking for? Like, what did the city think was like important in this neighborhood to flag? So that's like uh-huh. another way to use it. And I I think that would be great to use. Not that I think the subway map is that intuitive. <laughs> no, it's not. I know the subway map very well, but I've been living here for 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I can safely say th- those first few years, I feel like when you ride the subway in New York, you know your subway. Like, you know right. the line that gets you from your house to your work and to maybe the person you sleep with. But, like, <laughs> that's it. And then the longer you live in New York, the more jobs you get, or at least this has been my experience, you start to, like, expand your network of what right. you know. It's funny because yesterday I, I had baseball practice. I played baseball in New York City. And the only thing that's remotely transit related to that is for whatever reason, 
every place that I've ever played or practiced baseball in New York City is in the most godforsaken part <laughs> of New York City <laughs> that is usually the most inaccessible to transit. And so, like, yesterday, I took a short 20-minute ride to Long Island City and then a 20-minute walk through, like, an empty mm. industrial neighborhood. And I kind of like it. <laughs> because if I didn't have baseball, I wouldn't, A, have gone... Like, yesterday, I went to a train station that I've never been to in 12 years. And oh, I've, wow. passed, I've passed by it many, many times. It's not far from a lot of places I go. But I've never been in that station. And so that was also kind of like exciting for me yesterday because many people who are not from New York or don't know history about New York Transit is like a lot of the subways. There was three different private subway companies at one time. Mm -hmm. So each company had their own way of building stations. And so they're all kind of like different. And so that's kind of like a fun and exciting thing is like, yeah, they all kind of smell like piss, but like, oh, there's cool <laughs> archways or different types of architecture. And I think mm -hmm. that's also really cool to see yeah another thing that i find kind of frustrating about new york is uh i always lived in manhattan so i don't really have a right to complain but that all roads lead to manhattan so like mm -hmm. queens and brooklyn are next to each other and yet if you want to go from one to the other you have to go almost always on transit like through the island of manhattan this is true. The, the G train and, and, and sort of the M are like the two bridges that connect Brooklyn and Queens right. in terms of transit. And they're very, they're not helpful. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you know about New York City's plan to alleviate that issue? No. <laughs> Why don't you tell me? <laughs> yeah, so there's this, there's this thing that's been an idea for, I think, at least a decade. But um, it's, it's like the the cross borough transit line. I think that's what it's called, but essentially there is a freight line, like an, an underutilized freight line that goes from Brooklyn near Bay Ridge through Brownsville, Canarsie, and then up through Queens and then over to Astoria. It's like an old rail freight line that doesn't get much use. And there's ideas to turn that into a subway line or at least a, like a, a rapid mm -hmm. transit because it may not have to be underground. These are like mm -hmm. exposed tracks that kind of, go through like a ditch in these various neighborhoods and it, it would be a huge it would be a really good for the city transit wise because not only would it connect brooklyn and queens which like you say are often mostly connected through uh, manhattan but like a lot of the neighborhoods that this train would service are like places that are considered transit deserts and mm -hmm. a lot of times those places have like the lowest wage earning people in the city so there right. are plans to solve that problem but knowing when what many of us know about like New York City and how they get things done, it may be a long time. Yeah. I mean, they got that Second Avenue subway eventually. Sure, but that was like a hundred years in the making. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. There's been ideas to make that subway for a very long time. And it stopped and started many times. And in fact, if you follow the Twitter account, Second Avenue Sagas, it's a very pro-transit, pro-bike Twitter handle. That sort of the name is inspired by the Second Avenue subway just going on forever and never getting mm. built. Um, but they also, if you're into transit and you're into like pro public transit legislation and news and gossip, that's a Twitter handle worth checking out, Second Avenue Sagas. But yes, they did build a Second Avenue subway. And like, I think the week it opened, I made sure to go write it because I just wanted to write it because it was so fun. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. <laughs> Here's a controversial thing. Okay. Uh, how do you feel if 
somebody is new in town or just visiting and refers to the subway as a metro, like, how do you feel? <laughs> it does not bother me. I'm, my first thought is, like, you must be from Europe. Um, and that's fine. It wouldn't bother me, but I would tell that person, hey, no one calls it that. People call it the subway or people call it the train. If you don't want to sound like a dummy or a tourist, call it one of those two things. But if the, people want to call it the metro, they're more than welcome to. It's just everyone's going to give you a weird face if you say that. <laughs> I call it the train a lot. But it is funny to me because I don't really think that it. I mean, I guess it is. I think taking the subway is such a different experience than, say, like taking the train. Yes. When you say taking it, you mean by calling it that or taking like an actual heavy rail train? Um, yeah, yeah. I guess like, yeah, it's confusing, right? The fact that people call the subway the train and also like heavy rail the train is like a little bit confusing sometimes. Yes. yes. I, I think though, if someone says I'm taking the subway, they can only live in one city on this planet, right? Like that means New York, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because I don't think they call it the subway anywhere else. I do sometimes, but the, uh, my family is from New York, so that's probably why. But I, uh, I've, I've graduated now to calling mostly the metro. How do you feel about the DC metro? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I, I love it. I think the DC metro is really cool because like a lot of it was what built in the late 70s. And there's like this beautiful, like brutalist, like reinforced concrete architecture. Like it's like what in the 70s, what they thought the future was going to look like. <laughs> uh, and it's really cool to me. I do enjoy architecture. I'm not an expert on any of these things, but like I like the look of the stations of the DC Metro. Very high arch ceilings, well lit. I'm not a big fan of cushioned or cloth seating. Because, mm -hmm. like, that tends to hold in filth, but they are comfortable. And, and you're not allowed to eat on them. Which is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't agree with that policy. I think that's bullshit. I think people should be able to eat on public transit. Does it make things more dirty? Yes. But this is America. We don't get paid <laughs> for our commute to work like France, which I don't know if people know that. Like, in France... They get paid for their commute. Isn't that fucking crazy? Or is that awesome? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But this is America. We're dying here. We are trying to work our asses off and not sleep. We should be able to consume our shitty breakfast on the subway or metro. Okay, I think that's beautiful. It's surprising to me, like, Mayor Bloomberg, who is so out of touch with humans because he's such a rich fucking guy... What, that right. was like the most in-touch thing he did. I remember people talking about banning food on the subways when he was mayor because they were filthy. And he was like, I'm not going to do that. I see too many parents taking their kids to school on the subway, having breakfast with their kids. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. I couldn't believe he could think about other human beings <laughs> like that. Do you prefer people not eat on transit? Well, I mean, now with masks, it's difficult, I guess. But no, I, I am in general in favor I, for the reasons that you said. It's so hard and people work so hard and they they might as well work. I do know a lot of people in D.C. who are like, the trains are nicer because people don't eat on them. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't doubt that. <laughs> yeah, but like, but I also like the DC Metro also covers like a really wide area, yeah. and I can imagine you could be on there for like two hours. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. same with New York City subway. It's like you could 
be on it for if you're going to the Rockaways, that might be an hour and a half trip if you're coming from parts of Manhattan or even the Bronx. You could be on it from two hours if you're going to, you know, Brooklyn. Right. Um, it's funny. I was in San Francisco recently, which is a horrible transit town. If you like <laughs> taking public transit, it sucks. There's a light rail that sometimes goes underground called Muni, and it doesn't really go anywhere that you need to go. And then there's buses uh, everywhere, which are kind of slow because they get stuck in traffic. But I was going to a friend's apartment when I was in San Francisco over the holidays. And he literally lived in a direct line from me three miles away on the same street, but just three miles on the other side of the city. And I was telling my girlfriend, who's a native New Yorker, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to my friend Jorge's apartment. It's funny. He lives on the same street as me, but three miles away. But I have to take the bus and the bus takes 45 minutes. If I walk, it takes 40 minutes. <laughs> and my girlfriend who lives, my girlfriend lives 11 miles away from me in New York City. So mm. when she takes the train to and from my apartment to her place, it's about an hour. And she's mm. like, she was like, you're only going three miles and it takes you 45 minutes. I'm like, yeah, that's why San Francisco sucks. Because I could do the same 45 minutes in New York and I can go 11 miles. Um, and that blows my mind. Right. I think that it was also probably, I've never been to San Francisco, but I do think of public transport when I think of the cable cars. Uh-huh. Right? Yes. It, it used to be a transit city, but now, of course, the tech people moved in and... Yeah, so I mean, if you want to get into, I can get into that. So, like, yeah, <laughs> there are the cable cars, which are awesome, but they're they're sort of, like, in a novelty Right. sort of piece of transit right now they don't quite go where you need them to go they cost more than a bus and they're mm. not as oh really free. they do cost more yeah it's sort of like you're paying for the maintenance of this antique form of transit you know mm -hmm. okay uh, but yes the thing is with the tech that i and this is like a thing that really bothers me is so san francisco has always been known as this town of like weirdos and things like that and there's always been a lot of tech coming into the bay area for a long time but those people that worked in tech didn't live in San Francisco because a lot of these tech employers were not based in the city. You know, they were making their things south of the city in places like San Jose and Sunnyvale and Los Gatos, you know, places where Netflix and Google are all headquartered. Mm. Um, however, in the past 10 years, these companies have wanted to offer more perks to their employees. And so they offer these free luxury shuttle services mm -hmm. um, that take that go to all places all over the Bay Area, especially San Francisco. So you're seeing all these super high earning tech workers that are moving to San Francisco because it's cool. It's San Francisco. You're living in a city, but they're not taking the heavy rail or the like local buses to get them to their jobs outside of the city. They're taking these luxury buses that have internet and breakfast and all that shit. And they're clogging up the roads and then mm. they're driving up this rent in the city and pushing out all the weirdos. And it's, it's really such a bummer because there is transit options for these people to take the train. And maybe mm. they're not as luxurious uh, and not as nice. I guarantee that. But it's a it's a real big bummer. And like you said, I would rather see Google and Facebook and these companies that are along transit quarters invest in the transit as opposed right. to just being self-serving to their employees. Right. Yeah, because tech has been in that valley for 20 years. If yeah. they had been using the public transportation, like if the people who worked high up in those companies who are using the public transportation, I guarantee you, the public transportation situation would be a lot better. Yeah. Now. Yeah. 
it's very frustrating. But yeah, San Francisco is not a great transit town. It's a very, it's still very car centric, and there's a lot of apartment buildings that come with parking garages. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of San, people in San Francisco have cars, which is a, a bummer. To be fair, not the most walkable city, depending on which neighborhood you live in, <laughs> because the hills are very severe. <laughs> right. I have an observation that is from like a while ago, and I don't know how to get back there. So I'm just going to do it. Okay. We were talking about the impact transit can have on your life. And I was just thinking, so like in the Netherlands, in heavy rail, there are fast trains. And then they used to be called stop trains, but I think because they made more stops but i think actually they changed it to sprinter because tourists Marketing. yeah tourists were like it made it makes perfect sense in dutch but like a lot of tourists were constantly being like i don't want to i want a train that goes not a train that stops and exactly like, <laughs> <laughs> the, the train hired a pr person <laughs> you're emphasizing the wrong thing right now yeah but they were also transitioning to like physically different trains and the the new sprinters were not going to have bathrooms. Oh. And I remember there was this kid in my Dutch class and we used to have to bring in current events. And he brought in an article about how the new sprinter trains were not going to have bathrooms. The thinking being that you're going to, they make all of the stops. So you're going to get on, you're not going to be on it for a long time. Because if mm-hmm. you're going to be on it for a long time, you'd be on an inner city train. But he brought in this article about how those trains weren't going to have bathrooms. And the teacher was so mad at him because she didn't think it was real news. And I think about that all the time because like, I think that policy decision to like not have bathrooms on the stop trains has impacted my life so much more than any other piece of news. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I would classify this. I'm not sure if this counts, but I would classify this like under like hostile architecture. Interesting. Uh, and for those of people that are not aware of that, hostile architecture is things like when you when you put a when you build a public bench and people put certain partitions in the bench so you can't lay down on it mm-hmm. comfortably um, to keep people like people without homes from loitering or spending too much time on it that i think or like spikes on flat surfaces correct so, yeah people don't sit on it and i feel like not having a bathroom that's that's hostile architecture you don't want people spending more time on that transit and i feel like more often than not the people that end up spending the most time on public transit are the people that are working hard and making no money and their lives are tough. And I think they would love a little bit of relief to like use a bathroom. Something that's interesting that's happening here in New York city is they opened this brand new Moynihan train hall. It's like an extension to Penn station, which is a horrid place. If Mm -hmm. anyone's ever been, it's one of the worst places you can go on. And the thing that's so frustrating about Penn station is that apparently it used to be beautiful it used to be one of the most gorgeous buildings on this island, and the car killed it. <laughs> Madison Square Garden, man. Yes. For the, yeah, Penn Station was gorgeous and fell into disrepair because people started falling in love with cars, and then they just bulldozed the damn thing and built a new Penn Station under Madison Square Garden, and it's a horrid place. But what I wanted to say... The worst. Yes, yeah, the worst. Um, but th- they opened the Moynihan train hall, which is like an extension of it. And it's in the old post office. Okay. Uh, and it's a beautiful space. However, uh, and I went and visited it the day it opened because I was so excited. I'm a nerd. Um, mm-hmm. But This is on it- like the Long Island Railroad side. Correct. Yeah, that serves yeah. Long Island Railroad on the west side of the, of the city. And mm-hmm. there, there are no 
benches. There are mm-hmm. no places to sit that aren't at a bar or restaurant, meaning where you have to spend money. And mm-hmm. people are trying to change that. I saw an article this week that they need to change that because not only does that affect it keeps out people without homes, which if you're trying to do that, what's your fucking problem? I think you should right. people get some rest, but also people that, you know, have various issues where they don't, they're not mobile, whether they're right. you know, like, they can't use their legs or body parts way, or they need to rest themselves when maybe they're older. Like that's not good for them. Like that's hostile. And you have people in that station sitting on the floor while they wait for their train. Like it's <laughs> fucking ridiculous, you know? Right. Yeah. It is also sort of like like the flip side of what do they call it? Like I think it's like the cross cut effect. What's that? I might be getting the name wrong, but I think cross cut is like, you know, on the curbs of sidewalks when it, you're to across the street, it gets lower. There's like a ramp sort of yes. embedded in the curb. Yes, I think that's called a cross cut. I will double check this, dear listener. It's called a curb cut because it's cut into the curb, and those were put in place. Because people with disabilities fought for them because it's that's necessary for using a wheelchair, among other yeah. things. But yeah. then it had like so many benefits for so many other like people with uh, children, people who people are like, doing carrying, deliveries. Yeah, people carrying groceries, like just so, like it was like meant to help this one group of people, but it helped like everybody people came up with a name for when you do that when uh, um, and they call it like the cross cut effect but like uh, this is like the opposite of that where like you're trying to hurt the unhoused population and also hurting everybody else in the yeah. in the pro- the process oh interesting i didn't even think of that yeah it's funny because we just got cross cuts on my corner maybe a few months ago <laughs> and I live in the Upper West Side, which is like a very old neighborhood that's been around for a while. And I, I, I think we just like it's funny because I've seen my intersection. I've been in this corner apartment like for mm-hmm. seven years, and I've seen this intersection go through several different redesigns. And it's been mm-hmm. very interesting to see. But yeah, we did get crosscuts only recently. That's amazing. I, I mean, know. also it's sad. like sad, <laughs> like in a like uh, yeah, like in a bad way. It's clear. Yeah, it's like hard to believe. Yeah, I live uh, on busy Amsterdam Avenue, which is like used to be like four lanes going uptown, and now mm-hmm. it's only three with a parking on one side and a dedicated bike lane on the other. And I, I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've like been in cabs at like four a.m. on the way to the airport, and a cab driver is like, "I don't know what the deal with all these <laughs> these bike lanes are." I was like, "Who ne- who's using it right now? Who needs it?" And I was like, "Dude." You're talking to the wrong person. <laughs> I don't have a car. <laughs> right. Get me to the airport. It's 4 a.m. Like, yeah. That was sort of a, a, a boat. <laughs> Sorry. I, what I was going to say, I, I take back already, but I was going to say that was kind of a bonus of Corona is that like, I would, I never thought I would bike around New York City. Because I like I'm used to biking around like Amsterdam where it is mm-hmm. incredibly safe. But then like during the summer months, I was like not using the subway, and so I just started using the bikes. And it's fun. It's fun to bike around New York City. It is fun. It is. It yeah. is. It is measurably better 
than it was like even like 10 years ago. Oh, I'm sure. I, I remember being here and I never even saw these green painted dedicated bike lanes. I think it's great that they have them now. I right. Think it's, I think it's, it's really amazing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah, transit is the best. I love, I love high speed trains, man. Getting to take a high speed train from like Amsterdam to Paris is like one of the more exciting things I've done. Um, that was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a great train. So fun, so fun. Yeah. And then I've taken a high speed train from Paris to Lyon, which is also mm-hmm. very beautiful and very fun. Yeah, transit is just so fun and so great. <laughs> I really, <laughs> I, I really love it. I do, and it's so important. And affects so much, as I yeah. said. Yeah, I've been to places like I've been to, to talk about another really not great transit town. <laughs> like I've been to Manila, and mm-hmm. Manila is one of the most chaotic, busiest, biggest like metropolitan areas on the planet. And like, there's nothing more miserable than mm-hmm. driving around in Manila. Like it's mm-hmm. just because people there's like this idea. I, um, people used to think that. Oh, you add more lanes to a road and you alleviate traffic. And it's actually the opposite happens. Mm-hmm. Is right. like you add more lanes and then more cars will fill that in. Um, whereas things like road diets is what they call them, is like when they take big wide lane or streets and they narrow them, it tends to alleviate traffic and make things safer for pedestrians. And there's like this main thoroughfare in Manila called the Edsa, and it's like five, six lanes. I mean, it's just in insanely big and busy and there's all forms of buses and cars and freight and mopeds it's really crazy and it's really stressful and it's it's kind of sad because it's it's the philippines so it's warm and the smog is just Mm -hmm. horrible you just feel like you're breathing in smog all day that's just a tough that's like a really tough city for pedestrians (laughs) is manila it's just it's tough to get around a lot of places that are just hostile to people in the streets. Um, I do want to share though, the one form of transit that I took in the Philippines that was very fun. Mm-hmm. There's these things called the jeepney in the Philippines, which when the Americans came and occupied, they left a lot of their military gear, including jeeps. And a lot of Filipinos refashioned them into like these little buses where people mm-hmm. could hop on and pay a fare. And there's sort of like a, a national transit icon for the Philippines. You see them all over the country. Uh, and I got to take oh, wow. those a few times. They're very fun because they're not like city run. It's just individual operators who all like to decorate their jeepneys in very like extravagant and like <laughs> flamboyant colors and designs. Sometimes they're themed. You know, someone's like, maybe they're really into like the Hulk. So they make their jeepney look like the Hulk. It's so fun. Yeah. If you go to the Philippines, that's like one of those things you got to do is you got to ride a jeepney. It's so much fun. Okay. So we got a lot of places you need to travel. Yes. On this. <laughs> I think this has been great, Blaze. Thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. This was so fun. I, thank you for letting me talk about my obsession and my fascination with transit because not <laughs> everyone allows me that opportunity. Well, that is sort of the conceit of the podcast. Thank you. It's but, brilliant. Thank you. Do you have anything you want to plug? Sure. You know, if people like listening to podcasts, which if you're listening to this one, I imagine you do. I have this really fun podcast that's great for people that like reading and people that don't like reading alike. Um, it's called, <laughs> it's true. It's called Let's Get Lit. 
And every episode, I read a chapter from The War of the Worlds, and then there's a different guest comedian that comes on, and they provide their own jokes, commentary. They interrupt me and get to say whatever they want. So it's a little bit like Mystery Science Theater 3000, but for books. So if you're interested in that, you can listen to that anywhere you get your podcast. Let's get lit. And if you happen to be in the New York City area, you can always look up and see if I've got a Let's Get Lit going on in New York City because I do have a live version of that show as well. It's very fun live show, very fun podcast. Thank you. Um, yeah. And also, you should follow Blaze on social media too. Blaze, do you want to? Yeah, you could find me at Blaze Moncias, B L A Z E M A N C I double L A S. And it's Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all those things at Blaze Mancias. Great. Thank you for listening. And if you want to like rate and review this podcast highly, that is very helpful. I think particularly on Apple Podcasts, but whatever platform you use. Thanks, Blaze. Thank you. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.